Get ready. Hit. That's a hit. This is a, another episode of the Chase Outdoors podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Mr. Tanner Kemp. Uh, Tanner's been around since since the very beginning. Tanner's been, uh, you were involved in a lot of hunts, especially that first year. Filming hunts. Yeah, it's getting into the industry, starting out. T- Tanner's like one of the official pack mules for the team. He's incredibly strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carried a few hundred pounds out for everyone in the group now, yeah. including Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've how long have we known each other? I met you through all the FFA stuff. Yeah, went down, yeah. spent some time at AGR. AGR, and then hunted with Wilkie a couple of times. That kind of made a brief introduction there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tanner was a better hunter, so I still hunt with him. <laughs> No, I'm just a better pack mule. That's pretty much what it means. And I film their hunts. He, Tanner, Very rarely behind the gun. Tanner's one of the most reliable people you can you can have around in, in any camp. Anything goes wrong, Tanner's going to be there to help you with it. No questions asked. Uh, and you've got to do... You took off for a while. You were in Idaho. Did some out-of-state stuff. You've been quite successful up there. And... Now that you're back in Arizona, you you really haven't had too many tags since you've been back. I've not had personal a, tags. Yeah, I've not had a single tag other than OTC stuff and just being a little picky on that. And this year you finally have an elk tag. Yeah, after forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after talking about it literally, literally forever. So you've got a – it's a late rifle tag, right? Yep. I'm one of those guys that tries to figure out what's my best opportunity – Think about it a million different times, think about it a million different ways, and then make a decision, and then change the decision, and then make another decision, <laughs> and that's just how our group goes, and I'm the guy that usually leads that, because I'm the most indecisive hunt picker in the entire group. Yeah, well, it, it makes sense what you picked, because you didn't have 10 points, it's got really good draws, especially for the point level you had, and... You went into it full well knowing you're not going to go shoot a 400-inch bolt. You could. It we, we, could happen. We've gotten intel that the, there might the, be something along those lines. The, but the, not the odds of it happening are pretty low. It's more go kill a bull like that one behind me. You know, something that's representative and nice. But it's go fill an elk tag and go on a freaking elk hunt. I just got to beat my wife's bull. That's all I got to do. That's that's the point I'm going for. Which that was actually a pretty good bull. Oh, and that's that's the hard part is she shot a pretty good bull with a muzzleloader in Idaho, and now I have to make up for that with a long distance late season tag, pretty much. And the so the Idaho muzzleloader season, that's a totally primitive muzzleloader season, right? Yeah, she shot that iron sights. Um, powder no sabots or anything like that just uh just basically lead and powder and open sights and let it fly <laughs> which is totally different than our muzzle letter seasons in arizona oh definitely we have basically no restrictions yeah you're looking at like 500 yard shots with some of the muzzle loaders in arizona there you're lucky to get 100 150 yard shot and be accurate yeah which which i understand and, and some people complain about the muzzle loader hunts here that that they're not as restrictive, but it's still it's still black powder. Oh, you still have it's still difficult to reload. It's it's it is different than using a regular rifle. Now they are just like anything else. It you put a scope on you put a, a scope with a turret and have good loads. Mm-hmm. To, uh, you know, a good system set up for that rifle. You're, def- you're oh, definitely, definitely sending shots out to 500 yards with muzzleloader in Arizona. Or you just do it like me and. Dock into a coos deer at 20 yards and not have to worry about shooting long distance. Yeah, or you don't even need a scope at that distance. So just walk <laughs> you in and shoot it out of its bed. But, yeah, no, um, it was definitely a eye-opening experience. That same season, I also had a tag and had a really good bull in front of me. And uh, the iron sights got me. And uh, my brother and I were a little bummed on that. Made a perfect stock. And... So before you 
went to Idaho, I mean, you had no experience up there. You guys, no, no. You went up there because of your wife's work, and you you were there for a few seasons, and got to check out a whole bunch of new country. Like, and we're constantly exploring here in Arizona as well. We're always going into new places. Um, going to another state like really tests your system of how you're gonna explore and learn a new place. Definitely. Like, for me, and of course we do a lot of hunting together, this is probably going to be pretty similar, but if we're going to go into a totally new area, the first thing I'm doing is just looking at a map in general. I'm always going to start with a map. You could, you could start in different places, but me, I'm looking at a map. I want to look at, and, and if I know the species, mm-hmm. assuming I do, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a map and see where i can even get to from where i'm living Mm -hmm. where i'm traveling to and what what's kind of let's talk about the methodology of learning a new spot yeah no definitely one thing uh i did was i had onyx love onyx but i'm also a huge fan of paper maps too i love having both side by side because i can do the different overlays on my onyx and then having that paper map where i can sit there with a highlighter or yeah. so let, let's, marker or something like that and let's talk different com- maps real quick compare so and contrast those we use the onyx a lot uh i feel like onyx always has problems yeah I, i'll download stuff it won't be there when i go to use it. and i have used onyx a lot pay for it use it it's great it has a lot of great features but i never rely on one map like you said oh, definitely. you use the paper maps we've got actual Garmin GPSs that we use. Mm-hmm. The Delorum has a map on it, which when we're using the Delorum InReach, which is the satellite texting communicator, the app that pairs with that on your phone actually has, has all the maps and everything. Basically, like that. A, a live topo map. It's not super detailed, but it works everywhere. It even works in Mexico when we're down there. Like, I can't find a topo map for places we hunt on there. It shows at least a general, general basics. Topo. Yeah. And, and like streams and, and rivers and stuff and, and names of places. So that's a different app. The other thing is a, a Vinza that we use mm-hmm. quite a bit. And, and all of these work with no service because your GPS and your phone works with no service. Yeah, we also use Google Earth. It's always a – they've got some good things now that Onyx incorporated. You can kind of see the slopes on all the maps and stuff like that where you can go to a 3D view, which is really cool. I st- yeah, I still think the 3D on Google Earth is way better. Oh, definitely way better, but at least you get a – basic idea i would definitely go to google or i'm i'm hitting everything i possibly can when it comes to diving into a new territory like you're saying another one that's that i really like is uh so like on an x you save a map it takes up quite a bit of space it's very detailed with all those layers uh, i don't always need that if i want just uh, sometimes i just need two kinds of maps especially if we're on public land i want we're often on national forest that's where i'm using a Vinza. Mm-hmm. And you can buy. It's kind of hard to navigate on that app, like to actually find some of the maps, because you have to like have this specific title. Their search algorithm, whatever in Avenza, is is pretty terrible. But once you find the map, you can find the official those paper maps you're talking about, the forest yeah. maps. You can find them. They're on Avenza, and like I have an Apache Sitgraves, mm-hmm. Kaibab, Coconino, all that Tano, all that stuff, Coronado, and and then. You have this paper map on your phone, but it shows you where you're at on the map. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll rely on that heavily, and and then also a bunch of the travel management maps. Yeah, I, work in Avenza. Another one of my favorite ones is going to Walmart and buying one of the Atlas maps. They have pretty detailed, but not super detailed. But you'll get the entire state, and you can flip it over to the back and trying to figure out your general areas. And then going from there, you pay, it'll say page 8. So you just flip to page 8, and you get a good overview. And you can start figuring out roads and figuring out boundaries from the state maps. to. And it's a, I think it's a good all-purpose map that I keep in my truck wherever I'm at. I've got Arizona. Yeah. I've got them all. And it's a condensed version where, for example, when Idaho, their OTC tags is pretty much the entire state. If you're in one area and you're not seeing what you're liking, 
well, you can hurry up and bomb down to a different unit, and you may not have the maps downloaded we'll, onto your own. We do that all the time on the and OTC, we do OTC hunts, hunts too. Yeah, like you, we'll, we'll hit three different units in a week. <laughs> and you, yeah, and you, you just stay flexible. And it's always nice to have a map that you can have a general overview of that. Where if you don't have cell service, you may not be able to rely on Onyx when you're bumping from unit to unit. Or yeah, so like Onyx, I'll use that more when we're hunting a real. When we've narrowed it down, we're hunting a yeah. real specific spot, and we want all that high detail. But if we're like, say we're just going to, let's just go to like, we've narrowed it down to a unit we're going to. I'm mostly going to rely on, uh, I have Topple Maps, or I think it's My Topple Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just have the free version. But it's, it's USGS Topo, And you can save like, like on Onyx, and I haven't actually tried to download a map in a while, but... You had to click like a million squares to try to, <laughs> to download yeah. an entire unit, and it's just a pain in the butt. You could you can scale out now and, and do a broader area. Yeah, but then but, you lose your detail and stuff like that that yes, you're looking for. With that with that uh, USGS topo on that, you can zoom out and do a huge area, and it takes up a lot less space. So you can you can have a, a relatively good topo map. It doesn't necessarily show all the roads on it. Yeah, but that's where we're using it in combination with the mm -hmm. paper map or the, the forest map on a Vinza. Or... Yeah, no, and the other good thing, too, to always remember is do your homework beforehand. Know where the boundaries are. Yeah, and <laughs> have a general idea. Like, if you know that there's some uh, private land in the area, make sure you're at least having some general access points if you have to try to figure out how to get around that or whatever. Make sure you do that ahead of time instead of trying to scratch your head and figure out where you're going once you get there and you realize oh this gate's locked i thought it'd be open but there should be other roads around here yeah i can't tell you how many times on on personal hunts where we're hunting and scouting at the same time oh yeah and it's like oh i got a plan we're gonna go down here and you hit a piece of private and it's got a locked gate it's like well mark that area off can't get through here or you, you find different routes or sometimes. you back up and you're like well let's look at the map well it looks like there's a road and then it turns into a a road that you can only bring the mule on or the side-by-side, -side, and it takes three hours to get there, but then you get there, and you're like, it's definitely worth coming here because no one else is getting there. Yeah, you you got to you gotta prepare for running and everything, especially when you're going in blind because you don't know. And usually when we go scout, we're hunting. <laughs> a lot of times we're hunting. We're, we'll, we'll go hunt like on a personal hunt and go scout an area. Yeah. Because then it's – to me, it's like double the incentive. You're, mm -hmm. you're scouting it for the future, but – you, you're hunting at the same time. Yeah, why, it's more why enjoyable not? to Yeah, why not, not two birds out with one stone? And for all those of you that are considering chasing the king as an outfitter, we don't do that with you. We make sure we scout ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. If, if, if you book with us, we, we've scouted for your hunt ahead of time. We're not, we don't go in blind to a, to a hunt we're hunting with a client. That's absolutely insane. Um, everywhere we do hunt with clients are, are spots that we know quite well. We, we've, <laughs> hunted them and learned them for seasons and seasons prior and we're 100 percent confident in those places can't yeah. tell you how many hundreds of hours we've gotten those spots we're not sometimes we'll go to the new places nothing's working we're gonna go explore oh, I, yeah. I i will explore well, during a hunt absolutely i was gonna say half the time when you guys are bear hunting because i'm not a guide i'll go and you guys are like oh go check out this spot and kind of tell us what's going on over there and every single hunt the map gets bigger. yeah exactly and you're always ch checking off spots and circling spots that you think might ha hold something or you're checking feed or you're trying to see what you can reciprocate from other spots that are actually killing it right now and you're trying to figure out other spots so when you do have multiple tags in camp you're able to get it done and not just relying on one core area and, and one of the resources that everybody should use if they're going in to unit blind just look at the look at the whatever governing agency for the areas look at their descriptions of the area look at arizona game fishes you know go to the hunt section go to where to hunt go look at the unit and go to their section about that specific species mm -hmm. they have tons yeah. of information that's specifically on coos whitetail in unit 21 mule deer black bear mountain lion everything even quail yeah even even small game species they they do a very good job it, and of course it doesn't cover everything yeah but it'll they kind of have a lot of the best or most popular areas on there mm -hmm. and then what you can do especially going in blind 
you go to those areas that they talk about on the website, go see if they are good. Maybe there's a bunch of people there. The area is great, but there's, but there's a bunch, bunch of people deer there, <laughs> and you just don't want to compete with these people. Yeah. Well, then you go back to your map and find out the areas yeah. that are similar. They're similar in relief. Oh, yeah. You're looking for elevation, plant life. I would take a couple. Go find new spots. Yeah, exactly. I would take a nice little square out of where they're suggesting you to go and just focus on the topo lines. What's the... What are they? What is the slope facing? Is it north, south? And just kind of figure out what they're doing and what that species is supposed to be doing in that general area, and just start scouring the map, trying to good, figure out good way identical to do that areas. Is, is just go and actually go check out those spots. Yeah, check out any information you can find, and if you find the type of animals you're looking for, you know, then take that very specific area you saw that animal in and try to translate it to other areas. And duplicate it because there there are units like or there are spots like that all over. You just have to do put the time in and boots on the ground or tires on the dirt. And and if a unit is similar enough, oftentimes like we'll be hunting one unit and we know the conditions in this specific spot are very similar usually to another unit. So sometimes we can go in more or less blind or without much pre-scout. I mean, we show up a couple days early, but we're going in with a real high confidence level, but we're making like 150-mile move, and it's like this move is a high-percentage move because mm -hmm. we're familiar with these two spots. Uh, it's a little more difficult to do if you're going state-to-state -state because, yeah. like, the terrain changes so much. Well, even the animals, animals in general just change. Like, for example, here in Arizona, you're hunting mule deer, you're – most of the time hunting flats down in the lower desert you'll get it into some higher country like they're still in the flatter spots where in idaho your mule deer are at the tops of the mountains majority of the hunt and if not they're migrating and you're having a hard time they don't ever get to the flats unless you have a great rut or late season tag where there are thousands of deer and the whitetail are in the bottoms year round very very rarely you see them up in the on the slopes and yeah, stuff that, like that that's kind of interesting because in most places, whitetail are pretty bottom dwellers. Ubiquitous across North America, but where whitetail and mule deer intersect is in the Intermountain West. And, you know, all the way from the southern border to the northern border and into Canada. And if you're in most of the Intermountain West, the mule deer are usually on the mountains and the whitetails are river bottom type species they like those riparian areas those hardwood bottoms and that's kind of that that's true from texas to alberta mm -hmm. over to oregon like that's that's yeah but then you get really really the... common but you come into the desert southwest new mexico it, arizona you, you get into new mexico and arizona and and mexico and sonora and i, I guess uh, into Baja as well, it flips. Well, I, I, there's no whitetail in Baja to my knowledge, but it, Sonora, obviously, there's yeah. coos whitetail and, and desert mule deer that, that overlap each other. And then all of a sudden, the mule deer tend to be out in that rolling country. and Or the, the super, super flat country where... You... Su super flat or river bottoms. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the more arid, I feel like it's the mule deer are closer to the river bottoms. And you go into southern Arizona... You get a lot of overlap in places, but it's like the mule deer will be in these little pocketed valleys, and they'll be in the bottom, and the whitetail are up on the ridges and up at the highest, nastiest peaks. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. It, and that's where you typically shoot them, too. So it's very different when I, I got up to Idaho because I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I've watched – I've listened to a lot of podcasts, so I got a – general basis of what those deer are doing i also read through their idaho game and fish on all their species write-ups and trying to figure out what are these deer doing and then from there i was like well these are completely different than arizona deer so how am i gonna attach or attack this new task of killing a deer in a sense you mentioned youtube youtube's actually like it <laughs> It's a pretty solid resource for, for learning Definitely. stuff. Um, but you you have to look at it. A lot of the, the content that people put out, you you don't necessarily take it 
how it's been being pushed to you. You, you yeah. know, you have to look at it outside the box and, and mm-hmm. pick up things within some of those videos. You yeah. like, you're noticing details that maybe the person creating the content isn't meaning. Yeah. To put in there. I'm a cameraman at heart and a video editor, so I know exactly where he's going with this. And you can't trust everything you see on the internet. That's such a true thing, but you can learn a lot. The key thing is you have to know what you're hunting because guys will throw in river bottoms in Idaho, and you're like, there are no mule deer in the river bottoms in Idaho. Why am I even paying attention to this video? And then they go up and the kill shot's on the mountain slope, and you're like, well, that's where all the deer are at that point. There's a lot in in editing. I mean, and we do too. A part of when you're editing, it's it's an artistic creation. It's not. We're trying to when we're put when me and you are putting a film together, it's as much as possible. You and I have tried to stay true to like the chronological order of the hunt when we edit. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not. We try not to stretch the context too far and stuff. Yeah, we're not but, shooting a deer on the first day and then filming for four days and acting like we hunted for four days and then shooting the deer kind of thing. No, we shoot it on the first day. It's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the B-roll. It's a lot of hiking. It, Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of hiking. But we're sometimes we'll we'll flip B-roll around mm-hmm. that's maybe not essential to the story from a chronological standpoint, but it looks better artistically to have this cut here like sometimes when you're editing something and you're like like we did on the white on my little whitetail hunt mm-hmm. we shot that dink with the ar uh, we were there for a short period of time we got as much film as we could but we didn't have a ton to work with yeah and there was some stuff in the editing process that it's like okay we can make this we can make the viewer you know go back and forth from the animal to us glassing and and then you getting on the and, gun and, and, and stuff this, like that and this passage of time but in the moment, you're not necessarily capturing all those shots in chronological order. Oh yeah, we're taking, we're using some shots that are out of order that don't really necessarily go anywhere else mm-hmm. that fit perfectly into that and creating this artistic thing. From our view, it's always been to it, it's got to represent what's going on chronologically, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. This, this is how it's done. Happened in yeah. that order. Exactly. It's just to tell the story similar to how it happened. We try to be pretty honest in how we edit, but we're also very conscious about all those subtle things that you can pick up in a video. Oh, like that rock. I remember that rock or that ridge line. I know that ridge line. And that's how a lot of people give away spots. Let's just be real here. <laughs> and just spoiler alert, if you think you know where we're at in a video, you don't because we're we're intentionally we're in our editing trying to keep people from getting free knowledge mm-hmm. to some extent we don't i'm i'm not giving away freebies in video social no. media images video it's dangerous you can like you can literally ruin spots from some idiot that doesn't know what they're doing and then you scout in skyline footage yeah. we sc- we instagram facebook YouTube, you can find out so much from people that have no idea what they're doing, and if they kill a massive buck somewhere and they don't take their pictures properly, half the state will find out in a matter of minutes because they know. I can tell you, we only have uh, two videos that have skyline footage that are actually where we killed the animals. Mm-hmm. The two sheep videos. <laughs> I was going to say, and those sheep videos were ones that we'll probably never do again, and if we do... It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter because it it's going to be in 20 years. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter on those. It, so take take any of the content that you consume from anybody. That Take it with a grain of salt. But there still is valuable information. Oh, those. very. You can still see animal behaviors and interactions. You're looking for plant life. You're looking for you, you, terrain. You, you can see how these hunters are, you know, making approaches. It depends on the quality of, of yeah. the video you're looking at or, or the, whatever the content is. But you can pick stuff up that is valuable. But take some of it. Some of the larger things that people might jump to conclusions from the videos aren't necessarily accurate. Oh, yeah. You see... There could be, we've done it a couple times, and you can just see, like, we put shots in there just because, like he was saying, it's aesthetically pleasing. And that's what a lot of filmmakers that are trying to make it in the industry, they just want it to look pretty. And take it, don't take it for face value. Take it for a grain of salt. 
I think that's that's kind of a a struggle for the way we've put out videos is we want it to look good, but we also don't want it to be so choppy. <laughs> we don't want it to be disingenuous with like all the B-roll that we put mm -hmm. in. Like that's why it's so important that if we if our intention is to go make a video out of a hunt, out of a bear hunt, deer hunt, elk hunt, it doesn't matter that we're like, we need this shot because, and you and I have done this before hunts. We'll actually like, not necessarily storyboard how the hunt's going to go because you can't predict that, but we'll lay out like, we need this kind of shot, this kind of shot, this kind of shot yeah. to make a fluid video. And then usually if we're doing like, for example, bear hunts in August, we'll take part of the middle of the day and just go start filming b-roll and getting the shots that we need to know that it'll make it look pretty but that's when it comes into like we're taking those shots that we're not in chronological order but we'll end up helping making our story look better but they're still of the same general area it's just not in the order that we've done it yeah yeah um how are we doing on time about 25 minutes um well Man, we got to do some more films this year. We, oh yeah, we really, we really sucked on that last year. <laughs> I got a lot of, I got a lot of B roll you, last you film, year. You filmed the Idaho hunt. Yeah. Was that last year? No, no that was that, two years ago. That, no, last year was Montana. Montana, Montana. Yeah, and I, they I put out a small film on that, and it was pretty good. Three tags in a matter of two days. So two million tags and a pronghorn tag. Yeah. Right. And yeah. In places you guys hadn't hunted before. Yeah, no, the guy I was with, a uh, high school buddy of mine, moved up to Montana, and uh, he had hunted the areas before, but it was just kind of what we had talked about. We were looking at maps. He had hunted a few areas, but there were a lot of hunters in some of those areas, so we just went to the maps and started flipping through, and, oh, this area looks like a... Because we were hunting a lot of checkerboard and stuff like that, so we were like, so okay. A lot of access issues. Exactly. So it just, it just turned into marking stuff off the map. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Okay, this spot works, and we shoot a deer. Oh, this mark, this spot doesn't work. This spot doesn't work. Oh, and we shoot a nice antelope, and it just—that's how it works. And now, do you have that mountain back yet? No, I get that back probably in the next month or so. Nice. That's that's one of the prettiest capes on an antelope I've yeah. I've seen in a while. It's it a, it a great buck, especially for yeah, not intending to really shoot a buck of that quality for yeah. sure. No, I was I was just excited to get up and go hunt. So, like he had said earlier in the podcast. I didn't have any tags, and since I moved back to Arizona, so it was good to get a tag and behind the gun and pull the trigger. So I'm not going to complain on that. And you you went into that hunt, learning new spots, mm -hmm. territory to, to you is totally unfamiliar. Going going through the problem solving process of figuring out, connecting the dots of where you need to go, and all the while you also intended to film that hunt the whole time. Yeah. So you took film. As you're getting ready, as you were traveling, during the whole process, every mm -hmm. bit you could, and and had this really complete film in a, in a lot of aspects, um, it turned out pretty good. You can uh, you can see that film. That's uh, it's on the Chasing the King YouTube channel. Uh, what, what was the title? You you put that three one tags, up. three three tags. Uh, it's a couple back. There's a few videos that we've put out that we haven't like really pushed. We've just kind of been waiting on things mm -hmm. to film festivals and stuff like that but we're leaving them kind of there so if people do find them good for them kind of thing we'll we'll post stuff periodically on on social media as as we feel that they're relevant but we don't necessarily create something and and go advertise yeah. it and uh, feature like right, right when we do it yeah uh, so it's it actually published uh quite a bit back but good good little film and uh, there's one on there uh, of Pete's bear hunt too mm -hmm. that we'll we'll officially post that on the face space another <laughs> yeah <laughs> later but uh, yeah I'm man I'm pretty excited to explore new stuff this year uh, we've we've got to go film a lion hunt yeah we've gonna have some uh... I I I'll, we'll we'll talk off the record about about that that plan um man we've we've got to do some bear stuff we've got so many bear hunts yeah on the schedule this year and it's gonna be insane and hopefully we uh i've got my elk tag uh 
Cody's got a milk tag like you guys talked about last time. Uh, we're just getting ready to wrap up Arizona's. Right, somebody else trying to book a hunt for an elk hunt. Getting ready to wrap up. Right when we started this. Yep, getting ready to wrap up Arizona deer draw and sheep tags. So hopefully we, we, should we have, pull a few tags on that. Yeah, we should have a few personal and clients for deer tags. Yeah. Um, we're going to be busy oh, yeah. all fall from, well, we're starting scouting now. Yeah. It's not like not we've ever stopped. We've been bear hunting all spring. And yeah, the spring's been phenomenal. We, I've, I've seen 17 bears this spring, which is incredible. I've I remember the first couple times we hunted in the spring and seeing nothing. And yeah, the first the first time we actually went out didn't see a whole lot, but as it started to get warmer, you definitely saw yeah, well, more and more movement. Yeah, the first trip that we were out, it was like Arctic conditions. So. Yeah, we had a little bit of a blizzard, so that's kind of hard to find bears. But other than that, everything started getting better. Yeah, they they don't come out of the snow melt <laughs> real often. It was, that was a, but that was still an informational trip. And we have never stopped. We've been out every single weekend. We'll continue to be out. Mm-hmm. I have a bear tag that, well, I have an overcount tag always, but I have a draw tag that who knows if I'll, if I'll even have time with all the fall hunts that are on the schedule to get down there. I have till July 31st, assuming it stays open, but I'd like to go explore a new unit. Yeah. And I've got a pretty good idea of where I want to go. I've got a couple of spots that just, I know if we went in there blind, there are bears in those spots, 100% without a doubt. Are they going to be there in a spot I can kill them with a bow? I don't know. If if we can get a weekend away and and I get some help, I always like help on bear hunts. I like help on any hunts. Camaraderie, being doing, doing it alone. Some people like to do that. That's not for me, bro. I don't like hunting alone. That is the most boring thing ever. That's hunting with other people, people. <laughs> fantastic. Way more motivational. Uh, you get to share that joy with somebody. You get to push each other, and the and real reason why Dylan doesn't like to hunt solo is because he would never wake up. He needs people to wake <laughs> him up in the morning this, and this get him two, out. This is two podcasts in a row. We're talking about my. <laughs> well, it's because it's a fact. Born. I'm just not a morning person. I will wake up when I have to wake up. And then I'm the guy that's just like, "Hey guys, let's go. Ready? Ready?" But it's if I don't, two have o'clock to, in the morning, Tanner. I'm, I'm gonna enjoy my sleep. Oh I, yeah, I need all the beauty sleep I can get, and it's not helping. So. It's all about the midday naps for me. Yeah, you know, if I just slept better at night, I'd be able to wake up in the morning, but that <laughs> never happens. So it just is the way it is how it is. All I'm know? hearing are excuses. Yeah, well, it does not prevent me from helping people kill stuff and killing oh. stuff myself. Well, I'm not saying the excuses <laughs> of you not killing stuff. It's just the excuses of you waking up in the morning. Uh, yeah, I don't. Why is that always? It, it always co- comes up as a topic in camp too, as if it's this it's, big deal. It's because when you sit and he's sleeping in the back of his truck, and his phone's been going off for like thirty minutes, and his whole truck bed's buzzing, and he's still asleep. <laughs> that's the issue I'm talking about. Oh yeah, uh, if you're the type of person that wakes up with one alarm, I'm the type of person that will upset you because it's like the sixth or seventh one. Well, I'm finally so mad at my phone for annoying me for half an hour, then I get up. But yeah, but I'm up. <laughs> that to a T makes all the sense in the world why Dylan doesn't wake up in the morning. And maybe we'll get a chance to. There's still over the counter hunts going on. Yeah, we not got, not like super great ones, but not great ones. We yet, might go explore some new stuff. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of pins. We've got a lot of spots marked on the map that need exploring. You know, it seems like every year, the more and more bear hunt shut down earlier and earlier because more and more people are hunting well, and understanding how to hunt bears in the spring. That is not necessarily true. They're not shutting down earlier. Uh, and in fact, uh, a couple of them stayed over open this year longer than they did last year. Um, well, last year was a fluke year in general. We all decided that at the beginning. Well, the last year and the year before are strange. This year is more like typical weather-wise. And I think that like the timing, we're talking about bear hunts specifically, that of how hunts close down is going to be more in the norm. But yeah, it, it like ebbs and flows on mm-hmm. most units. It, it goes back and forth. Um, so to some degree, it is hard to predict what is going to stay open but i i don't know that 
more people necessarily know what they're doing. And I I think it's consistently it's the same groups of people. Mm-hmm. It's that saying the saying is whatever that ten percent of the hunters kill ninety percent of the animals. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's that resonates because it it really is true. It's like that ten percent of people. They're they're different, and they're not different necessarily because they have better gear or they have better luck or they have more money. It had nothing to do with that. You can have every spectrum of person in that ten percent that is the consistently successful group and 10 percent is totally arbitrary <laughs> that's not, not not a statistics the the thing is that 10 percent of people they're the people that are going to kill regardless of if their hunt their hunt in quotes shuts down early mm-hmm. if they don't have one bear unit or one otc deer unit or one spot when they do draw that tag they waited 10 years ago. They've put in the time to scout. They're familiar with lots of different spots. They're highly familiar with the animal behaviors. And if their unit, if their one spot that they're familiar with closes, it doesn't matter because they go somewhere else. And they do exactly what we just talked about. They start looking at the maps, figuring out where were those animals and where are other places that look Identical to that. The, the difference is most people go and learn a new spot only when they have to. Mm-hmm. The difference between being really successful is going and learning new spots when you don't have to. Yeah. When you have, you already have a spot dialed. A lot of people just are creatures of habit. They go to the same spot. They've hunted the same, they've camped in the same spot for 30 years. And they they know every ridge, every tree, every spot in the valley that an animal should be under and, and the conditions. But then the hunt closes or they don't draw a tag. They don't, a lot yeah. of them don't go hunt. Yeah, no, and that because relates. Because they don't know how to problem solve. They don't know how to learn somewhere new. And that relates not only to just bear hunting like Dylan loves to talk about, but it's like deer hunting. It's a bear-centric podcast. Uh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but... People have become so complacent with what they've got, they aren't willing to explore, and in return, they're not hunting as much. Uh, it, I think certain personality types oh, definitely. do better hunting certain species. And let's be real, Dylan, you just get tired of units and you want to go kill a bear in a new unit. I'm super ADHD. <laughs> I do not like doing the same thing, ever. I get super bored. I'm just bored. Even when, even when we're seeing bears, we've... You've been with me. We've been seeing, like, watching bears. We're watching these bears. They're out there feeding. It's like, they're not big enough. We're not going to shoot them. Let's, Let's find leave. somewhere else. Let's leave. Let's go drive two hours and go find some somewhere else. Dylan does not relate to the experience of do what you're doing, and if you're doing it right, stay there. No, he's like, oh, we're doing it right, but I want to go somewhere else. No, I yeah, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Like, I... I've seen the look of confusion on people's face many times when, like, we're in a pretty good spot, but we're not finding the animal we're going to kill, or, it's, or, or the approach we've been taking has been kind of working, but it hasn't, you know, pushed us to success. And I'll try something that, mm-hmm. in many cases, I'll, I'll come up with a plan that is very unorthodox to how most people approach things. For yes. me, that's just how my brain works. I want to do something. I want to try it, you know, and approach from a different angle. A a move two yeah. hours away in a unit that I it, it it appears to a lot of people when I make these kind of moves that, that aren't familiar with hunting with me. You are. Yes. You, don't, you don't get this look anymore. I but just learned Dylan's motto. Leave bears to find bigger bears. That's like his mantra, everything. Leave deer to find bigger deer. Leave elk to find bigger elk. That's just what... Leave sheep to find bigger sheep. We did that. Uh, it, yeah, it, it works. It requires a high level of confidence in your knowledge. And to someone not familiar with me... And we make a move like that, or or we say something like that, and they're like, "Are you crazy? Why would we go somewhere else?" It's like, no, this spot is great. We've learned a lot here, but we're like, 
we're maxed out. We've we've yeah. got ninety percent out of this spot right here. We have found everything that could be found in this spot. We we ninety nine percent. We sure. could waste the rest of our hunt trying to get that squeeze that last ten percent out of this spot. Or go fill ninety nine percent of another spot. Or we could go find another spot and go double our money. Like let's let's go somewhere else. Let's try something new. And for me, like that's that's my approach system is is to never be doing the same things. I uh, there are some spots that we go to repeatedly, but we don't usually go to the same like very narrow spot. We'll go to like the same general area. And then we're, from there, we're like, we branch out. We go look at something new. We go look at it from a different angle. Yeah. We go drive an hour to some place we've never been just to go see if the grass is green over there. There's only, Literally. only one spot that I know Dylan has ever gone back to, and it's just because it produces, and he kills bears, and they all die, like, right next to the same rock. That's just what happens. But that's about, other than that, he's always going somewhere else. That's just how it is. Well, no, you've been to a, a hot place in the desert. This is a very long, terrible road to get to with me multiple times that I've been there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about that spot. Well, I do know what it is about the spot. It just has everything. Yeah. It's also big enough. It's scary enough that I want to keep going back. <laughs> like It's so terrible to get to that place. There's a couple places you've been to me. Oh, yeah. Like the, they're, just, they're just so big that at this point, we haven't spent enough time in those areas to touch them. Like, we've had success in those areas, and we we still haven't scratched the surface on them. Oh, yeah. And but, like, like having one little 300-yard wide drainage to go hunt every single year back to back to back, uh, we don't do that. You're not going to produce what you could if you did go to the next drainage or the drainage somewhere else. or No, we might hit that drainage, too, but that's, like, yeah. a day hunt. And then we're off in a different camp. Or that'll be like a, we'll try to glass this from the road, and if we're not seeing anything, even though we may only see half the canyon, it's okay, because we're going to go find a new spot. Like, that's that's our motto, is like, just ground and pound, hit the dirt. Yes, we may miss some stuff, but we also know we're going to find stuff. It It's consistency yeah. in what we're doing, too. It's, we're, there, there's not a... You know, the season doesn't end, and we don't hang up the hunting gear, and, and it doesn't start again until next year. Which, to be honest, first few years that I started hunting bears in high school, I only hunted the August hunts. That was the only thing that, like, I that was my starting point. I had to start somewhere. I had to start with some spot of information from all the people I could gather information from. So that was the time frame I chose to hunt. That was where I started connecting the dots. So then I started taking those tactics and techniques and applying them to different seasons. And then going and, to October. And then making those changes to my approach during the other, because the time frame, all the conditions have changed. Mm -hmm. So I, we've done that with everything. Yeah. You just, you just keep changing and building upon. Adapting and overcoming everything that comes up. I, I just, for the life of me, there are some people that I absolutely love that are in my life. They hunt the same spots every year. And I'm like, how boring is that? It makes oh. me bored just hearing hunting stories about it. <laughs> well, I'm guilty of that sometimes just because I can get out and get to it pretty quickly. But that's just because I enjoy hunting as many days as I possibly can. Well, <laughs> to me, that's different. That's, if it's like, if it's a backyard type spot, like where you're located and you can just drive 45 minutes and, and be in some pretty nice stuff. Uh, that's cool. Go to that all the time. Like, that's, yeah, that's that's your little spot. That's afternoon work. But that's not all you do, Tanner. Yes. No. 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 You gotta. You hunt as many places as I do. Yeah. No. And that's exactly what it kind of gets down to is you gotta be willing to explore. If you don't have that explorer soul, you're gonna honestly struggle once you've been in a spot long enough because you're never gonna be able to figure out the next spot. Because there's always there was a spot our family used to hunt, and it was great for 20 years. I've brought Dylan to this spot and a few other people to this spot. And for a few years, it was great once we started hunting it. But then for some reason, it just went to crap. And now there's no deer there. And it's just we, we adapted and overcame. And we found another spot that's even better than the one that we thought we had that was good. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I don't – to me, it's like maybe it's maybe it's more general just in people's behavior. Maybe it's just – 
adversity. Like, obviously, everybody hunts for a different reason. Everybody has a different motivation. If you like to just go to one spot, and you like to kick back and drink Coors Light. And Be my guest. And donate your money to Arizona Game and Fish every year. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, you're supporting wildlife. You're enjoying the outdoors. That's fine. That's not what we do. We like, want to kill big bucks, big bears. We'll go, big we'll bucks. go enjoy our time in the woods too. But I can't sit still in general. I have to be doing something all the time. When I go out in the woods, personally, I'm going out to do stuff, to explore stuff. For me, I'm that Max Ridge guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the hey, hey Tanner. See that mountain up there? We're going up that mountain later. Yeah, and then you get but up why? there. I don't know, so we can see what's on the other side of it. And then That's you get why. there, and he's like, and there's another one. Let's go there, then. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. we're, we're almost there. We just got another three miles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you shoot something all the way back there, and then you got to figure out how to get it out. <laughs> to me, that's one of the most captivating things, though. Like, we push ourselves hard. Oh, yeah. If you're like, not feeling it the next day, you're not doing it right. Like, if, if at least one member of our group hasn't puked, it's not, it's not a normal hike. Uh, that's only one person in the group that really pukes, <laughs> but it's because of the consistent level of difficulty of stuff that we choose to do. Yeah, it's to me, it's just it makes the whole process more rewarding. Yeah, there are some hunts where it's totally cool, like the weather sucks. You drive around in the truck most of the hunt, drive from glass and spot to glass and spot, and you do like n- never walk more than maybe a half mile from your truck hunting. That's fine. And we Sometimes do that. Like that. Sometimes we do that. Yeah. Um, and we're actually successful doing that. <laughs> personally, I can't do it all the time. Or yeah. I would be bored to death. Uh, that's why I don't like hunting some certain places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just... You're hunting. We hunt big country, and as Dylan said before, he likes to go and cover as much as he possibly can. And then when it's big country, he likes to drive. And then it turns into a, oh, I like this spot, but... What about over here? And then you just turn into a driving session of covering miles upon miles just because you can. Sometimes you don't, like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we'll hike blind into a spot. But usually they're so good of access in most places that you can find, like, this high vantage point with a road somewhere near it and go hike to that and go break out the big glass, go get the BTX or just yeah, be you know, sitting with 15s and, and start looking. 15s, spotting scope, and, and figuring out areas you want to go, we've, actually. We've looked at basins that were six miles away. And just not necessarily looking from animals for that distance, but seeing, What's that using whole, the optics yeah. to just like look at the landscape and be like, is that worth our time? Because yeah. like that's a half-day hike into that spot. And there's no good vantage points to glass, so why are we going over there kind of thing? So sometimes we decide not to go there. Sometimes we're like, ooh, ooh. We we have to find out how to get into that basin, that mm-hmm. area. Or oh, I didn't, I could not tell that there was a giant rock bluff right here because it's not it, big enough to be. It's it's on always the topo, a, but it's always it's, a work smarter, not harder situation. Oh, yeah. We have no problem working hard. That comes with it, but we're not doing it aimlessly. It's all very calculated in what we're doing. Even though sometimes it appears random, and I'll get crap for it. But hey, usually when I get crap for it, something dies. So, <laughs> not gonna disagree with you on that one. All right. Well, we're uh, we're getting pretty close on time here, so we're gonna wrap this sucker up, Tanner. Yep. Uh, let's make sure you guys put in for your deer and sheep apps, and if not, thank you because I will be probably drawing a deer tag or a sheep tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tuesday, the was it the ninth? Yeah. Is the Arizona deadline for bison, bighorn, uh, deer. There's some fall turkey stuff. Sandhill crane. Avelina, Sandhill crane. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> Ribeyes in the sky. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the real animals, uh, sheep and deer and, and bison, at least put in for a point. The, that deadline is 11.59 on Tuesday. So if you miss that, you don't get to hunt any of the draw tags. Good luck. If you need help with it, uh, you can always check out. We have a bunch of write-ups on the draw, on the, how the entire draw process works. We actually did a podcast in the first season of this just like on the actual mechanics of mm-hmm. the draw. And Game & Fish also just put together a really good video. explains it all, too. They've got a video. If you search 
uh, Arizona understanding draw. the Arizona big game draw, game of fishes stuff comes up, and the write up that I did a couple years ago comes up on the first page on Google. You can find it. It's very detailed. It's it's not written in a complex way. It's written in you know small sections where you can under break these concepts down. Uh, it is kind of a weird process only because it's very complicated but it's very well designed Mm -hmm. works great works great for our state yeah no and i i definitely i agree with that 100 percent. and don't badmouth arizona game and fish because i've seen other states i've applied for other states and arizona's doing something right that's for sure i think arizona has one of the best designed drop processes of any of the states and because it deals so well with how our conditions are in the state, what the demand is for tags and for different species, every species is, for the most part, is drastically different. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of overlap and similarities, but uh, it's just, it's a very comprehensive design, the way that it's done. Everybody has a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it favors the people that don't get drawn. And don't you know, whine about point creep. Cause it, it favors loyalty. Yes, exactly. And that's what I enjoy about Arizona Game of Fish is they reward people that are really willing to stick to it, And but you still have a chance at the end of the day. But you also can't reward those people so heavily that it keeps new people from entering. Exactly. You know, you you got to have this balance, and I, I think it is very balanced the way it is. Um, anyways, deer, deer and sheep apps are due. Um we might we might get a sheep track drawn this year we not me personally i mean i've got 19 sheep points it doesn't matter he's got a good chance let's he's probably got one of the better chances it, if by good you mean like uh one tenth of one percent then yeah with 19 points well everyone else in the group's probably at like i, I uh, think i think my mom is 30 now so i think she's one point jordan i think max is 31 this year please tell me we're doing another two tag year that'd be ma- amazing uh, well, I like any intelligent human being that does not have max sheep hunts, net max sheep points. I do not put in for the hunts that <laughs> take max points to draw. And you're not a non-resident, so you don't have to worry about the one tag. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> me and a couple of the other apps that uh, we did were putting in for hunts that you can actually draw without max points. I've got like a one in seven five chance of drawing. So can't be it could happen yeah exactly it's not great but it could happen so you're Um, saying there's a chance yeah so we need ideas for podcasts we can we can just talk about random crap on all of them that's cool we can we'll we'll dial in this structure a little more as we go but we've got to we've just got to simply do more of them and 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 get some feedback feedback super important um if you don't like what we're doing, uh, turn this off. <laughs> if you do like what we're doing, give us some feedback. I uh, would like to know what you'd like us to talk about. Somebody's got some original questions out there. Mm-hmm. I can talk about BS stuff. I can talk about super general stuff. I can talk about the things that have been covered on 900 other hunting podcasts that you can go listen to right now. But if you want something from our perspective, let us know, and we'll try to hit it. Uh, other than that, Good luck this year, and share this. Give it a five-star rating. Uh, you can get a hold of us at the Chase Outdoors with an S podcast at gmail.com. And, of course, that's Chase Outdoors podcast for Instagram, Facebook, and Chasing the King. So, Tanner, thanks. Thank you. Again. Good afternoon, good evening, good night.